Hey, I'm Pastor Diogo Carvalho, missionary at the Home Mission Board at the Brazilian Baptist Convention and professor of missiology at the Baptist Theological Seminary in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Welcome to the Missional Thinking Podcast. Missional Thinking We all know how much the COVID-19 pandemic has challenged the functioning of churches not only in Brazil, but also around the world. But one finding seemed very clear to us. In general, the churches that developed small groups were better prepared to face social isolation and were able to adapt much more quickly than the churches that only had public church services in place. Here at the National Mission Board, we didn't want to rely solely on our impressions of how the situation seemed, so we decided to conduct a survey among the churches involved with the multiplying church movement. That is to say, those Brazilian Baptist churches that have walked in this vision with us and that already had multiplying small groups called PGMs up and running in February of 2020, that is, before the social isolation that the pandemic caused in Brazil. For this reason, we relied on the expertise of Talita Monteiro, a statistics professional that helped us in the technical aspects of the survey, and to whom I'm very grateful. We tried to trace, with the best accuracy possible, the situation that is currently presenting itself and challenging us today in Brazil. This survey can be found on the social media channels of the National Mission Board, in Portuguese, of course. In this episode, I'd like to present some of the findings of this survey and shed some light to help us improve how we are completing our mission in our current reality. Come along with me. There were two surveys in one. One was given to 122 senior pastors and the other to 375 PGM leaders. The responses were collected between August 7th and 28th, 2020. Let's check out the results. One of the most crucial questions asked to pastors and PGM leaders was if, in their opinion, the pandemic delayed or accelerated the growth of PGMs. 62% of pastors said that it delayed, which is a significant, albeit expected, number. 31% said that it neither delayed nor accelerated, and 7% said that it accelerated. We must go deeper with this 7% to find out what happened to generate this surprising result. When asked why they responded the way they did, in each of these groups, 49% of the pastors affirmed that the amount of people in the PGMs went down, while 39% said that PGMs attendance remained practically the same, and 10% related an increase of PGM attendance, which is impressive, or in the words of Luis Roberto Silvado, a true miracle. Among PGM leaders, the results weren't very different. 53% said that the pandemic delayed PGM growth, 37% said it neither delayed nor accelerated, and 3% said they didn't know how to respond. When asked the reason for their responses, 50% said the number of people in PGMs remained about the same, 34% said the attendance went down, 
12% said that it went up and 4% said that they didn't know how to respond. The challenge here is the 9% difference between the perception of the pastors and that of the PGM leaders concerning the effects of the pandemic. For 62% of pastors, the pandemic delayed the process, but for the leaders, this percentage was only 53%. The interesting thing is that the number of people in PGMs went down for 49% of pastors, but only for 34% of the PGM leaders. Why, in comparison with the pastors, did the PGM leaders have a more optimistic perception, even taking into account that the amount of people in PGMs went down? Could it be that they have a different idea about what it means to slow down the process and what it means to lose people from groups? Let me tell you what I think. My analysis is that perhaps the pastor saw these losses more from the viewpoint of the PGM as a weekly event and the leaders viewed from the perspective of people connected by relationships. Many times, pastors know how PGMs are going from reports or pictures of the meetings, and their perception of growth or loss comes from the number of people that they can see there. But for the PGM leaders, who are in constant contact with the people, both during and outside of the meetings, being or not being the group doesn't necessarily depend on their presence in the meetings. Missing a PGM meeting, especially during this time of pandemic, doesn't necessarily mean that the person has left the group or has lost interest in it. It could just be that they are having trouble connecting to the meeting, have terrible internet, or are very tired of online meetings. But this person could be very well connected to the group, and there is no one better than the PGM leader to know this. It is recommended that PGM leaders maintain constant contact with the people in their groups between meetings. A good PGM leader knows that their role goes well beyond facilitating and conducting the meetings. The PGM leader leads a group of people, not just a program. Speaking of PGMs as a circle of relationships, another relevant question on the survey that goes in the same direction made to PGM leaders was if the PGM that they led in February kept meeting during the pandemic, and if so, what form did the meeting take? Only 10% of the leaders told us that the PGM stopped meeting, which thankfully is a very low number. 59% were able to migrate to online platforms, 9% mixed online and in-person, and just 6% kept meeting in-person. Think of these answers on a scale of best possible. For those that could, 6% kept meeting in-person. For those that could not, 9% combined online and in-person meetings. For those that didn't have this chance, 59%, the biggest number, had PGM meetings exclusively online. Just a parenthesis here. How great is it that we have all these online platforms? If not, the number of PGMs that simply stopped meeting would have been much greater. Only 6% of them were able to keep meeting in person. The great majority would have simply succumbed to the pandemic. But for me, the huge factor that aided the continuity of PGMs during this time was not technology. Let me tell you what I mean by that. 
For me, the most important data from this portion of the survey was that 16 of the PGM leaders were able to keep the group active during the pandemic, even if they weren't able to meet online, at least through social networks. This is really interesting. How can a PGM continue to exist without meeting? It's puzzling. These leaders refused to declare their PGMs to be dead, even though they hadn't met in months. How can this be? My analysis is that they understood very well one of the key principles of the Multiplying Church vision, which, though we already discussed in episode 7, I will reinforce here. Whoever leads, it's leading people, not things. The well-trained leader knows that the most important thing is not the PGM meeting itself, but the relational link that unites the people that are under their leadership. I don't know how many times I've asked the PGM leaders how much people there are in their groups, and they tell me sometimes 8, sometimes 10, sometimes 15. When I hear responses like this, I already know that the leader is thinking about the PGM as a program that happens once a week. But a PGM is more than this. A PGM is a group of people. A good PGM leader knows how many people are in the group, even if the number of participants in the meetings varies from week to week, especially during a pandemic. Of course, the frequency of the meetings is important, but even more important is to know how many people the leader has under his or her care. The PGM leader leads people, not a task or a department. The PGM is a group of people, and people are what he or she leads. It seems that these 16% of leaders understood very well this principle of leading people, not that the other leaders that were able to meet online didn't understand. It's just that for these 16%, social networks were the only alternative to keep the group active. Really, if we look at just the leaders who could not, for whatever reason, move their PGMs to an online format, The conclusion we reach is that 61% of them simply refused to declare their PGMs as dead, even though they weren't able to meet in person. For these leaders, the PGM is definitely functioning, even though it's not meeting. What an intriguing paradox. I keep wondering what we could learn from these leaders about church membership during this time of pandemic. Just as PGM leaders lead people and not meetings, pastors lead people, not services. Without in-person services and with problems implementing online programs, many pastors might have thought that the church had stopped functioning. But there is a lesson to be learned from these leaders that it is possible to stay connected with membership through social networks and that more important than the services themselves is their key of belonging that establish through relationships. Family is family, even without meeting in person. At the beginning of the pandemic, I risked saying that, just like people, the churches with more pre-existing comorbidities would be more vulnerable to the coronavirus. It seems that this prognosis confirmed itself in many cases. 
as essential as it is to have services, the temporary lack of them won't be able to kill a church that keeps itself connected through the bonds of brotherhood, nurtured through social networks. 60% of the PGM leaders who were not able to meet online simply refused to see their groups die of COVID-19. But this was only possible because the people in the groups were already connected to one another through strong relational bonds, and they simply migrated those to an online environment. Could it be that we could say the same thing about some churches so dependent on buildings and Sundays that without them are running the serious risk of dying? In this time of pandemic, the lack of strong relationships places any church in a high-risk group. Until the next episode, God bless you.